Worldwide. What is going on, guys? It is time for another episode of the Chasing Waypoints podcast. And what a mix-up yesterday. A lot going down. Kind of a change in the order, but that is to be expected once you're aboard the Dakar Yo-Yo. Well, kind of, sort of. So we'll talk a little bit about that and, and what are kind of the things to expect. As uh, you guys may have seen, if you were already checking the results, you would have seen what went down. But either way, I'm here to give you a recap and to talk a little bit about today's stage. So I think we've got everything in line here. Let's go to our trusty, trusty Dakar app. Stage four was it today. And these guys are getting ready for stage number five of the 2022 Dakar. So let's talk a little about that. Let's turn down the party. Very nice and uh, smoothly here. So let's see. What do we got? What do we got? All right. First and foremost, we got an hour and 22 minutes before the start of stage number five. That is at the time of this recording. By the time it's uploaded, probably going to be closer to or just under an hour. But no worries. We got you. So let's talk a little bit about the stage and what happened and the car yo-yo. And then we're going to talk a little bit about fuel range today. So uh, spent the last about 30 some odd minutes uh, combing the sporting regulations. And I found some interesting things uh, about the uh, particular rules pertaining to the fuel and capacities and whatnot. So we'll, we'll go over that here in a minute. But in the meantime, first and foremost, let's talk a little bit about what happened stage number four. So stage number four, that was yesterday's or last night's stage as the teams are waking up right now, doing their morning stretches and making things happen. Uh, so let's talk about the stage. The stage was 636 kilometers total. Uh, that is totaling, whoop, 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 hold on here. Fat fingers went all the way back to stage three. All right. Six, 707 kilometers total longest stage of the 2022 Dakar so far, 439 miles for those playing the home game, 465 kilometers of selective special, uh, or that's your actual timed racing section. So that is what contributes to your overall time. And then you had the 242 kilometers, which is 150 miles uh, back and forth from the bivouac to the starting line, from the finish line to the bivouac. So remember that does count. Remember speeding penalties and things like that. So the game's not over until you're back in the bivouac. Uh, so uh, a lot went down. So let's let's take a look at the uh, at what happened. So uh, we know a lot of the top guys uh, that were in the uh, in the starting order, so yesterday's starting order to today's or the stage three finishing order is stage four's starting order. That is how they decide the starting order for every stage. Uh, so in this case, uh, let's talk a little bit about the stage results. Uh, we had taking the stage win is uh, John Breda Bort, uh, four hours and seven minutes, six seconds, Pablo Quintanilla, uh, with a three hour or three minute and 37 seconds back on the monster energy Honda. So nice to see a one and two for Honda on this one. And then on the Shurkos, uh, Goncalves and Santolino, uh, Goncalves finishing at six fifty nine back. And then Santolino finishing in fourth, 
just one minute behind that 7.56. Luciano Benavides in that number five spot, eight minutes and 55 seconds back. Sam Sunderland on the gas gas, uh, finishing nine minutes and 15 seconds back. Matthias Wachner on that Red Bull KTM factory racing, 10.45 back. Svetko in the number eight on the sloughed rally team, 12 minutes, three seconds back. And then we had none other than Martin Minchak, uh, going to be on that number uh, 10 bike. And that is for the Orion Moto Racing Group, uh, finishing 13 minutes and 18 seconds back. And then, of course, on that 10 spot, Ricky Brabeck on the Monster Energy Honda, finishing 13 minutes and 34 seconds back. And it looks like, uh, oh, so we did see this. Uh, there is a penalty there for about two minutes. Uh, from my understanding, that was a speeding penalty. Uh, but you know, not much, not bad, but still, uh, still a couple minutes off the time there. I know he's fighting a battle to get back into the running, um, little ways to go, plenty of, plenty of kilometers to go. So all it takes is another big shakeup, some tricky navigation, and then there's problems. Adrian Van Beren in that, Van Beveren in that 11 spot, Monster Energy Yamaha rally team with a 1405. And then we've got Nacho Cornejo in that number 12 spot. Uh, Monster Energy Honda, 15 minutes and nine seconds off the pace. And then you have Andrew Short in the number 13 spot. Monster Energy Yamaha Rally Team, 1541, followed by Ross Branch, teammate there. Monster Energy Yamaha Rally Team, 1541. So dead tie for them on that stage, 13-14. Daniel Petrucci, Daniel Petrucci, uh, Dakar Rally, and I've been calling him Daniel all this time, Danilo Petrucci. Uh, 15 minutes and 53 seconds back with a 10-minute speeding penalty. So that one stung a little bit, but this is something interesting. So we're going to stop right here at number 15 with Danilo Pratucci. So he DNF'd on, I believe that was going to be stage three uh, due to a fuel pump issue and was unable to continue. In previous years at the Dakar, if something went down, and not last year, but it was a couple years back, they basically introduced a rule. So... If the if you were unable to finish a stage, uh, usually it was pack it up, go home, try better next year. And what they've done is, I've, and I think they realize that you know a lot of people spend some money to get to this event in the middle of nowhere. Uh, they now allow you to basically continue on the event, but basically in a tour class. So your times and stuff like that they're still registered, but you don't have an overall time anymore. Uh, you're basically not counted in the actual running, but as you can see, Dan- Danilo Petrucci, uh, Petrucci in that 15 spot, 15 minutes and 53 seconds back. So still a good showing there. You've got Kevin Benavides in that 16 spot, Red Bull KTM factory racing, 1642 back. Daniel Sanders on the gas gas factory racing bike. That is 1728 back. He is 17th. And then you have Bradley Cox on that 18 spot. BAS Dakar KTM Racing Team, 1741 back. This is uh, Mason Klein's um, Mason Klein's teammate. And then you've got Xavier Dessoltre in the 19th spot. Uh, HT Rally Raid Husqvarna Racing, 1745 back. And then we have in the 20th spot, uh, Antonio Mayo. And he is going to be 1816 back on the Franco Sport Yamaha Racing Team. Skyler Howes, 21st on the Husqvarna Factory Racing Bike, 20 minutes and 36 seconds back. Uh, then Pialucci in uh, on the Solaris racing. He's sitting 22nd back and 22 minutes and 26 seconds off the pace of your stage winner today. And then in the 23rd spot, uh, BAS Dakar racing team, 
KTM racing team, Mason Klein, 23 minutes and 48 seconds back. So uh, a little bit of a setback as far as time goes, but really um, still Mason running up front with the guys. Uh, he did talk about some navigation that was a little bit tricky in an interview uh, with the guys over at the Dakar Daily podcast. Uh, so was listening to that on the way home. Very interesting to hear him and Skyler uh, and how they were working together and up in that lead pack. And, uh, you know, something to be said about uh, Mason in this is, you know, he's definitely being recognized uh, as they did have a, a quick uh, quick conversation with Matthias Wachner and given uh, Mason Klein some props and some respect on his ability to uh, navigate the stages. So, uh Obviously, Mason is leaving his mark on the 22-1-E2 Dakar. He is definitely going to be one for the history books uh, when people refer back to this rally. Uh, so let's see. So Mason Klein in 23rd, 2348 back. Bradley Cox, 1741 back. So we're looking at, we're going to call that a tie on seconds. Uh, three minutes there, three minutes. So there's six minutes uh, Mason Klein will give up to Bradley Cox. Bradley Cox was currently running second uh, in the uh rally two class um obviously these guys this is the overall standings as far as the bikes go on the stage they don't separate it by class um and the starting order is the same they keep it just organized in this in the way that they finish so uh for those of you guys that maybe didn't hear the previous stage or the previous uh dakar briefs on this to give you some perspective if they started and divided it up and said okay well um you know we're going to start them by class the, the guys that are uh, basically able to, it, it, it puts the leaders at a disadvantage or an advantage, depending on how you look at it. Um, and that's basically you are going to be competing against a guy in front of you uh, who's a better rider navigator, and he's he's working his way to the top. And what ends up happening is, is he ends up with more tracks. So just to kind of put it into perspective so let's say if this was the actual running order right now uh and skyler or uh, mason klein was uh or you know being your being your leader all right let's let's get this straight here all right mason klein is your leader and instead uh in in the gp or the uh, rally two class mason klein is the current leader in the rally two class if they started him behind all of the pro guys and then let him run up he is going to end up with uh, 20, let's just say 25 tracks to follow. And the only thing that that does is it makes it an easier, less navigation event for Mason and allows him to make up time, uh, along with the guy behind him. But if he is a better navigator and there's some tricky stuff, whatever it is, there's going to be, uh, some sections where he can just gain his lead and blow the doors off of everybody. Uh, so by doing it this way, where you basically, the way that you finish is the way that you start on the next day, it makes it more evenly matched. So like we saw today, Mason Klein would have started third, uh, for stage number four. Uh, but because he was up front and navigating and opening, you know, literally leading the Dakar, uh, for stage four, uh, at certain points, now that's going to turn around and, and unfortunately bite him because now he's got to slow down a little bit uh, to navigate and make sure he gets the stage right while the guys behind him full send. They can start making up time by either following the tracks directly and not having the pressure to navigate, uh, although you do have to be careful because you could still get it wrong. Uh, but if you see areas where you can start cutting into corners and you can start you know inching away and, and basically... 10 feet at a time, 
you know, quarter mile at a time, you know, I'll, uh, um, I'm sure that was a Toretto thing, uh, fast and the furious thing, but you know, if that's how you're doing it, you, you have the ability to be able to make up ground on the guy in front of you. And that's where it ends up costing you time. So in this case, Mason Klein, I'm going to give up six minutes to Bradley Cox because Mason was up front, busy navigating and opening the stage while Bradley Cox was in the back and had some more options. Uh, and it's, you know, it's like having the cliff notes available to you, uh, whereas versus having to read the whole book. I guess that's an easy way to put it. Anyway, so that was the stage results. That's where everybody finished. Let's look at the general standings. And again, we are in the Dakar app and taking a look at that and seeing what is going on. So uh, let's see here through stage four, the general standings. Sam Sunderland uh, leading on the Gas Gas Factory racing bike, 15 hours, 30 minutes and one second. Matthias Wachner in the number two spot on the Red Bull KTM Factory racing is three minutes flat behind him. Uh, and then in the number three spot, Adrian Van Veveren on the Monster Energy Yamaha Rally Team, four minutes and 54 seconds back from the lead. Daniel Sanders fourth on the Gas Gas Factory Racing Bike, seven minutes and seven seconds. Luciano Santolino on the Sherco. Uh-oh, Sherco in that top five. Ten minutes, 28 seconds back. And then you've got Pablo Quintanilla, Monster Energy Honda, 11 minutes and 13 seconds back, followed by Beretta Bort. Monster Energy Honda, 14-12 back. And Skylar Howes in that number eight spot. Husqvarna Factory Racing, 15 minutes and 16 seconds back. Svetko in that number nine spot. Slonoft Rally Team, 20 minutes, 42 seconds back. Kevin Benavidez, Red Bull KTM Factory Racing, 25-12 back. Ross Branch in the number 11 spot. Monster Energy Yamaha Rally Team, 26-16 back. Andrew Short. Again, teammate to Ross Branch on the Monster Energy Yamaha Rally Team. 38 minutes, 31 seconds back. Xavier Desultre, HT Rally Raid, Husqvarna Racing, 39-26 back. In the 14 spot, Mason Klein on the BAS Dakar KTM Racing Team, 40 minutes and 43 seconds back. And then we have Amare uh, on the Hero Motorsports Rally Team, 42-26 back for him. Toby Price in the 16 spot, Red Bull KTM Factory Racing, 43-36 back. Then Nacho Cornejo in the number 17 spot, Monster Energy Honda, 50 minutes and two seconds back, 18th, Ricky Brabeck, Monster Energy Honda, 54, 58 back, 54 minutes, 58 seconds back. And you've got Rodriguez, that is Joaquin Rodriguez, Joaquin Rodriguez on the Hero Motorsports Team Rally. It is 58 minutes and six seconds back, Luciano Benavides. Um, the Husqvarna factory racing bike is going to be one hour, one minute, 54 seconds back. 21st, you've got Michek on the Orion Moto Racing Group. One hour, three minutes, 16 seconds back. Then Nosalia Jager, Reju FN Speed Team. One hour, four minutes, 46 seconds back. 23rd, Bradley Cox on the BAS Dakar KTM Racing Team. One hour, nine minutes, seven seconds back. And then 24, we have Chaplier on the Team Baines rally bike. And that is one hour, 14 minutes, 59 seconds. And your 25th right now, Jan Brabeck, is one hour, 19 minutes, and 36 seconds back on that Strozrent racing bike. And then you have Mayo in that Franco Sport Yamaha racing team, one hour, 22 minutes, and 21 seconds, followed by Pedrero Garcia, Reju FN speed team, one hour, 22 minutes, 59 seconds. Ardu Montre, Team Dumontre, tier. 
uh, racing. One hour, 27 minutes, 26 seconds. And then it is on the 20 or on the 29 spot. Uh, Solari's racing. That's Pielucci. Uh, one hour, 29 minutes and seven seconds back and rounding out your top 30. It is, let me see, I'll load the name here, Ernest Arunas Gelazinakis. And he is on the Orion Dakar team, one hour, 29 minutes and 26 seconds back. Again, that is your top 30 right now for your 2022 Dakar through stage four. All right. So stage four done. Longest stage of the day or longest stage so far of the rally as far as racing goes. So let's take a break from results and let's talk a little bit about fuel mileage and how I now know how to speak partially French. Uh, so let's uh, from the rule book here. That was a question that did come up today. So uh, the bikes and the autonomy. So fueling is critical. And we know that the fuel uh, last year was a detriment or was a detrimental uh, ordeal in particular to Andrew Short uh, taking on water instead of fuel. Uh, so obviously that made it a little bit difficult for the bike to start and ultimately cost him a rally uh, uh, to no fault of his own. The bike was running great. Everything was good to go, except it doesn't run on water yet. Um, so from there, now we talk about, okay, well, what's what kind of fuel mileage do these bikes have to get? So for a while, there was a rule where they dictated that it was a maximum of 35 liters of fuel on board. So 35 liters to gallons. Let's go to our official... Uh, Google and see exactly what that is for those playing the home game. 35 liters, two gallons is exactly a lot of gas. So let's see here. It is 9.24 gallons. So let's go nine and a quarter gallons of gas was the maximum that you could hold on the motorcycle. And that maximum of 9.246 gallons or 9.25 gallons uh, had to get you before it used to be it was a distance of about 300 kilometers for a while there but um, in searching the regulations it took a little bit to find it but now uh, for the motorcycles and quads the maximum distance between a fuel stop is 250 kilometers so at 250 kilometers is where you're going to be getting fuel at maximum now but there's a thing that's 250 kilometers maximum but what happens if you get lost? Or what happens if you dump the bike and some fuel comes out? Or what happens? So, no, the you do not want to be like, okay, I can make it exactly 250 kilometers as long as I keep the bike in fifth gear the whole time. You have to make 250 kilometers at race speed. And from hearing some of the interviews and stuff like that, Dakar has been working very hard to get the bikes to slow down a little bit it's going to burn some fuel. And so you have to have a calculated, like how many kilometers can you make it uh, on a full fuel load? And are you going to make it to the next fuel stop? So in searching for this, I did notice that for next year, the Dakar uh, regulation rules uh, do read that they are going to be limiting the GP rally class. So the top dogs for the rally bikes, they're going to be limiting them to 150 kilometers per hour. Uh, so that is going to be an interesting race. Uh, once you introduce a speed limit like that, uh, let's see here, 150 kilometers uh, per hour, two miles per hour is, survey says, drum roll, it is a 93 miles per hour. So 93.21 miles per hour. Okay. 
so fuel, we know you got to make it a minimum of 250 kilometers. Plus, you got to have, I don't know, you could say like 10% on board. So maybe another 25 liters, right? That's for getting lost. Or excuse me, uh, two and a half liters. Uh, 25 kilometers worth. Yeah, correct. 25 kilometers worth of fuel. Uh, not a big window. Probably more likely to be a little bit higher. So I guess if I was running, I would probably look for 300 kilometers of autonomy. Uh, figuring that when you turn around, um, you're obviously not going to be riding at full send. So uh, that is the fuel side of it, right? Uh, right now, minimum of 250 kilometers is what they have to make. Um, that is the maximum at the moment. They are recommended to have at least 10% more on board uh, for the just-in-case. Um, and that is what they're doing. And there is no longer a fuel tank size limit, which used to be 35 liters so depending on the bikes and what they're doing yeah it's probably going to go up a little bit and again this is right out of the 2022 dakar regulations uh that is where i found my information uh so while cruising that i did find that they are going to be limiting the bikes uh for next year to 150 kilometers an hour 150 kilometers an hour that means 93.21 miles per hour is what it'll be limited at so Good enough to get a ticket in California, but for some of the open desert races that you have seen here in the Southern California deserts and around Nevada and Arizona, well, Arizona-ish, um, 93, 99, I've even heard of some 104s on certain built bikes, um, which is absolutely a blowing. I mean, just moving some cylinders around. Um, I'm surprised it doesn't rearrange spark plugs more often, but, you know, whatever. So... What we think that means, and this is actually like listening to, um, and listening to Ricky Brabeck and and what he was talking and and kind of before uh, about um, how they're regulating and you know introducing speed limits and things like that, and basically what I gathered and how I justified it to myself as to why I think that is dangerous. Um, I I do think that introducing a speed limit is dangerous uh, because. Um, just like in other forms of racing that is regulated, um, in, in similar fashions is okay. On a dry lake bed in full tuck pinned, if you're limited to 150 kilometers per hour, everybody can do 150 kilometers per hour. You just got to have enough beans to make it there and, and hold it on the rev limiter and do the 150 kilometers an hour. So. Where are people not doing 150 kilometers an hour? That's where you want to be doing 150 kilometers an hour because that's where you're going to make up your time. So in the rockier sections, in the uh, tighter sand dune, whooped out, stuff like that, the rougher type of sections, the introduction of a speed limit, because you're going to limit everybody where they could stretch the legs on the bike, when you introduce that speed limit, they are now more motivated to ride faster in rougher stuff because that's where they're going to make up the time. So, okay, at a certain speed limit, at a certain miles per hour, when you fall, you fall and it's going to hurt. And yeah, it's going to, the, the likelihood goes up. And I'm sure there is some kind of study on, okay, how do you the impact forces at a certain speed and a certain angle and all of that. So I'm sure there's studies that, that talk about that, but right now we're just try, talking about practical purposes is okay. Well, you have a speed limit. Okay, cool. I understand you're trying to slow down everybody, but 
it is encouraging people to ride over their heads because the only place they're going to have to make up time is in the places where that speed limit is unattainable. So everybody in a sand wash, everybody in a, a big flat out dry lake bed, everybody can go 150 kilometers an hour. Not everybody can go 150 kilometers an hour in the rough, rocky, super whooped out, clapped out road tracks, things like that. Not everybody can do that. And the difference is, is okay, well, yeah, but, but you know, they're not going to do 150 kilometers in the rocks. No, that is correct. Or they're not going to do 93 miles an hour in the rocks. No, but where they would have been at 55, 60, kind of conserving it because they know the bike has got legs. Now they're going to be pushing for that 70, 75. They're going to be pushing for that. Those five or six miles an hour on a dirt bike make a big difference. And that in the end is what could cause more accidents, especially for riders. Now, I say this, everybody's important in rally racing and racing is a dangerous sport. Everybody's lives matters. And, and it's, it's one of those things where, um, you definitely, you don't want to ride over your head, but you've got the guys that don't have that self-control that don't have that strategy that don't have that thing. And they think that they're going to go out on a barn burn. I mean, just go set the hot lap. They're going to go set, they're going to go show everybody the fastest route from the DSS to the ASS, no matter what. And their mission is to just set the wheels on fire on this thing and leave it all out there on the stage. And unfortunately, you would think that doesn't happen, but that does. And there are people that come up with that mentality and they never really get there and they never really, you know, you don't see them. But what ends up happening is 25 kilometers in, in a rocky section where they shouldn't have been going that fast, they bounce off of a rock. And next thing you know, they're in the rough. And now you got a helicopter that's needed. Um, so maybe these are some extreme examples, but if it doesn't happen next year, it'll happen the year after that it's going to happen. So I don't necessarily agree with a speed limit being the actual salt. Like this is how we solve the problem of riders going too fast. You can limit them. You can do other things. You can, you can make other things happen that will work on this and maybe not necessarily restrictor plates, maybe not necessarily lowering the CCs, but as we've seen this year, actually the navigation and making the navigation trickier has actually worked to slow down a lot of riders and help keeping it exciting. So I think that's where it's at. I think that, you know, we're going to keep looking last year or the year before they tried the tire rule, you know, one tire for every two days, that kind of thing. So they're working on it. They've got airbags now, which I, I agree with. That's awesome. You know, there are, there are things that they are coming through, but unfortunately we're going to have to go through some changes that suck but in order to get the changes that actually make sense. So anyway, that's enough of that. So we talked fuel mileage and we talked speed limits that are coming up. So let's go back to the app and let's get ready for stage number five of the 2022 Dakar. Switching it on over. Let's see here. We've got uh, Breda Bort going to be leading out. Quintanilla two. Goncalves on the Sherco three. Santolino four. That is your top four. Luciano Benavides top five. That is your top five starting order. Sam Sunderland, the number six spot. Matthias Wachner, seven. Svetko in the number eight. And then it is going to be Michek in that number nine. Ricky Brabeck starting 10th on the stage for stage number five. And then from there, it just keeps on going down. So uh, Mason Klein down at 23rd. Bradley Cox going to be just ahead of him. So this is going to be a race today for these guys as I look away. This is going to be a race for these guys today for sure. 
Uh, so looking forward to that one. But that was your top 10 starting order. 56 minutes left before the stage start. Guys are probably on their bikes heading out on the liaison. So let's see. Let's talk about what these guys are facing today. So stage number five going to consist of 560 kilometers total. So writing it down here on my handy-dandy list, and then we're going to convert it for you guys. So 560 kilometers is going to be your total and then you are 346 kilometers of racing. And then you've got 214 kilometers of liaison. So let's get that converted here really quick for everybody. We'll do this live. KM two miles. As I take a breather here. I feel like I've been talking nonstop. All right. So 560 for the stage. That is 347 miles total for today, 346 miles or 346 kilometers is 214 miles of racing, actually 215 if we're rounding it up just a little bit. And then you've got 214 kilometers of liaison. These guys are going to be running 132 miles of commuting for today's event. So not bad. So we're adding to the totals. We're creeping up. Getting on to that twenty five hundred mile mark, so we'll get uh, we'll get an idea of what the total amount of miles are going to be here in the next few stages. I'll uh, I'll jump ahead and add those up for everybody, and that's again bearing if they don't change anything. So uh, let's see here. That is what we've got there. So still a long day. I mean, two hundred and fifteen miles for some of these guys is still a sprint race, but then we also got to remember they've already raced eight hundred and eighty of them. So. Uh, let's see here. Stage number five. Uh, let's see. No stage profile, but let's look at the stage of the day. Here we go. It is going to be a loop from Riyadh to Riyadh. Riders, drivers, and crews will head to the east to, of Riyadh to tackle a special that marks an abrupt change in tone from the previous ones. The dirt tracks peppered with stones in the first part of the stage will put the bike's arms through the ringer. Uh, but they will have to keep something in the tank for the long dune section. Stretching for almost 80 kilometers, substantial gaps can be open, suffering the dunes in the finale, surfing the dunes in the finale. So today's going to be a dune day, and hopefully if it was raining, we're going to have at least some hero dunes, so traction will be up, be a little bit easier to ride. Uh, everybody that I've heard interviews with has been saying that how much of a blast it's been to ride the dunes and everything so far. Obviously, we can contribute that directly to it all being hero dirt. So looking pretty good for today, I think, is we're going to see another shakeup as, just like we said, is the Dakar yo-yo. So start up front, finish down low because you're busy navigating, reading the book while the guys in the back have the cliff notes. And then the next day, it turns around. The guys up front now have to read the book, and now the guys in the back have the cliff notes. So uh, I'm expecting some mixture, some stuff going down. So we'll see how this shakes loose. Anyway, so if you guys got questions, feel free to send them in. And I hope you guys have all been following along with all of the episodes. Like, subscribe, share, do all of that fun stuff. And we will see you guys tomorrow night for the recap of stage number five and the briefing of stage number six. All right, that is a wrap for the Chasing Waypoints podcast this week. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. Don't forget to like and subscribe if you like what you heard. 
We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and a bunch of others. Also, follow us on social media. You can find us on Facebook under Chasing Waypoints, Instagram, Chasing Waypoints underscore official, and, of course, the YouTube under Chasing Waypoints. Hope everybody has a good week. We will see you guys for the next episode. Remember, shiny side up, and don't forget to tag us. We want to see where you guys are riding and what you guys are up to. Have a great week.